<clears throat> okay, if you uh, have a Bible, you can t- open it to Ecclesiastes. We'll look at chapter 11, verses 1 through 6 this morning. And the text is also printed in the bulletin on the next page. Uh, and there are some Bibles available in the back if you'd like one of those. Um, we've been going through a series on Ecclesiastes, uh, getting close to the end here. Um, probably finish up sometime this month is my guess. So, uh, So, here we go. So life is, uh, in case you didn't notice, it's uh, beyond your ability to control. You can't control your life, the circumstances, the world around you. In fact, in many ways, life in this world is beyond our ability even to understand, even to understand, let alone control. Uh, We don't understand everything that's going on in the world. We don't understand everything going on in our lives. And we we certainly don't have much knowledge of the future. Um, You might think we have a lot of assumptions about the future, Uh, But what do we really know about the future? What can be said for certain about the future? We don't have much knowledge of the future. So these these things, these are really indisputable truths. You can't really argue with this. Uh, But these things make us uneasy. We would like very much to be able to understand everything that's going on in our lives. We would like to understand everything that will happen in the future so that we could ensure desirable outcomes, so that we could feel confident that that what we're doing will make the difference that we want. But when we have great uncertainty, um, then we can be paralyzed. If we don't understand what's actually going on, uh, if we don't fully understand the results or consequences of our actions in life, then how can you feel confident about doing anything? If you don't know it's going to produce the outcome you wanted, how can you feel confident? We can, we can uh, be paralyzed by this. Does it seem wise to just go ahead and do something when you're not really sure how it'll work out? If you do, uh, Ecclesiastes invites us to action, particularly to investment in God's kingdom. That's what we'll talk about this morning. Even though we can't fully understand what God is doing, even though we can't anticipate what God will do in the future with our investment, he's calling us to invest in his kingdom. So so let me pray, then we'll read the scripture. Father, we're entirely at your mercy, uh, even to be able to hear and understand your word, and especially to be able to embrace it and respond faithfully. We're at your mercy, so we pray that you please grant us these gifts of your grace now through your spirit as we consider your word together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you do not know what disaster may happen on earth. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. If a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed, and at evening, withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So many of the teachings that we have... uh, in the Gospels from Jesus about the kingdom of God, uh, they're parables that sound kind of like this. 
right? They're parables that use examples from farming or agriculture or business or commerce. Jesus uses examples like that a lot and parables like that. He teaches that way a lot about the kingdom of God. That's what we have here in Ecclesiastes 11. We have economic illustrations, right? Illustrations from economy. They're, they're illustrations about participation in God's kingdom. They're illustrations about our life with God in this world. They're illustrations that are drawn from the world of uh, trade and finance and farming. Those three things in particular in these verses, they're not meant to give you foolproof ways to prosper in earthly economics. That's not what this is for. It's like wisdom for business. That's not what this is for. They're illustrations drawn from economics. Uh, They're meant to be applied to our spiritual life, meant to be applied to our participation in God's kingdom. So first, let's figure out uh, what these illustrations mean, because they are a bit remote from us in in a lot of ways. Uh, difficult for us to understand. Uh, Let's figure out what they mean, and then let's consider what they teach us about our our life with God. Uh, So, verse 1. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. So, it uh, looks like this is an illustration from maritime commerce, right? Shipping. Um, It highlights the, the delay, the significant delay in profit from traditional overseas trade. So when merchants commission a ship and a captain and a crew and they fill up the ship with their goods and they send those goods off to distant, distant lands to be traded, uh, then you expect it to take a while for the ship to return with its new treasures. Right? You expect that. In fact, you can't be sure exactly when that ship will return. It depends on so many factors. You, you don't know when. After many days. So, verse 2, give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. So that's an illustration from the financial sectors, basically saying uh, diversify your portfolio, diversify your investments. If you want to grow your wealth through investment, well, that's a a risky business, so you don't put all your eggs in one basket, right? You never know uh, if one investment's going to go bad, so get your money into different places, uh, to offset that risk of one of the things going bad, one of your investments going bad. Uh, seven is the perfect number in the Bible. It's this picture of completeness and fullness, right? Um, so you'd feel pretty good about dividing your wealth into seven portions. Better to divide it into eight, right? D- diversify more than you think is necessary. <clears throat> Verses three and four. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. So that's an agricultural illustration, uh, sowing and reaping. Basically saying, you know, there are a lot of environmental factors. There are a lot of variables that are outside your control, outside your ability even to anticipate. The clouds, they're going to empty themselves of rain whenever they're ready to do that. The wind won't ask your permission before knocking a tree over, and wherever that tree falls, well, you'll, you're just going to have to deal with it when the time comes. Right? So if you're waiting for ideal conditions, if you're wishing for ideal conditions to get to work, you're going to be waiting a long time. You're going to be paralyzed. So just get to the work that you have to do, even if you aren't sure exactly what's going to happen next. Right? So... Even if you aren't sure 
go ahead and get to work. Even if you aren't sure, go ahead and get to work. That seems to be the big theme here with these verses. We see this idea of not knowing. We see this idea of uncertainty, especially about uh, the future showing up in all of these illustrations. In verse 1, it's maybe more implicit, but the idea is you don't know how long it's going to be until you might see profit. Uh, second, you, uh, in verse 2, you know not what disaster may happen. You don't know what investments are going to fail, so diversify. Right? Uh, verses 3 and 4, you can't anticipate all the variables. You can't let your lack of knowledge paralyze you, though. Right? You just have to do the best uh, you can do with what you have. So that phrase, you don't know, shows up four times in this passage. It's emphatic. You don't know. And here's how these illustrations from economy uh, help us to live with God and participate in God's kingdom, in verses 5 and 6. As you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Verse 6. In the morning... Sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. So basically, you don't know exactly what God's doing. You don't know how exactly God is at work. You can't anticipate what God is going to do, but that's okay. You don't have to know everything. You can just be faithful and serve. Maybe there are a lot of ways that we can apply this uh, particular instruction to sow your seed and withhold not your hand when we're talking about participation in God's kingdom. There's probably a lot more ways than what we'll talk about this morning. Uh, you know, the work of the Christian, the work of the church, the, the seed that you sow um, can be seen in things like prayer, discipleship and service and giving and evangelism, you know, basic aspects of the Christian life, life in the kingdom of God. So in the morning, sow your seed, pray. Let's talk about that. Pray. Pray for your family, pray for your church, pray for your community and your city and the country and the world. Pray for your friends and your neighbors. Pray for your enemies. Pray. You don't know how long it'll be until your ship comes in, until your prayers are answered, right? That's okay. You don't, you don't have to know how long it's going to take for you to see some answer to your prayers. You can't be sure exactly how God will answer your prayers, whether they'll all work out the way that you'd like them to or not. That's okay. You don't have to know that. You don't have God's omniscience. You don't have God's wisdom on how he's going to answer your prayers. You don't know how God works or what he's going to do exactly. That's okay. Go ahead and pray. Pray lots of prayers for lots of people. Don't be paralyzed in prayer by the idea that you don't know exactly how God's going to answer your prayers. Don't be paralyzed by that. Just pray. In the morning, sow your seed. Give generously of yourself. Let's talk about that. Give to the church. Give to the poor. Give to charities. We're to invest in God's kingdom with things like our time and our service and our resources. Investing in God's kingdom means investing in people. Investing in human beings who are made in God's image. Do you know what the outcome of your investment in people is going to be? No. Do you know when you'll see a return on your investment? When you'll see some change made in somebody's life that you wanted to see? No, you don't know if and when you'll see that. Do you know how to weigh the profits and the losses? Or can you do a risk assessment to accurately determine whether your investment will be worthwhile? No. You can't do that. You don't know what God might do with your, with your gift, with your time, with your service. 
Do you need to understand how God will use your gift before you give? No. Maybe your time, maybe your service, maybe your donation will dramatically change somebody's life. Maybe the recipient of of your gift will throw it away and it will be wasted. Do you think you can figure out how to give only to the worthy people, only the worthwhile investments? Don't let the unknowns make you less generous. Let them make you more generous. Diversify. Serve and give in more ways. Invest in more people, not less. You don't know how God works or what he's going to do. That's okay. Go ahead and pour out your life and gifts to other people. In the morning, sow your seed. Share the gospel with other people. Let's talk about that. Jesus talks about uh, sowing the seed of God's word. Get involved with missions. Get involved with evangelism and discipleship. Sow the seed that is God's word. So Phil Riken is a commentator that I quote him pretty much every week. He's got a good commentary on Ecclesiastes. <clears throat> he says, um, we sow the word when we read it, study it, and memorize it for ourselves, listening to the voice of God. <clears throat> we sow the word when we teach it to our children at bedtime or around the family dinner table. We sow the word when we give someone a Bible or use a simple verse from Scripture with a friend who needs to know Jesus. We sow the word when we take it to the prison, the nursing home, and the college or university campus. We sow the word when we support sound biblical preaching in our own local congregation, as well as through missions and ministries that broadcast the gospel around the kingdom. So in God's kingdom, sowing the word is... um, may be seen as one of the big investments. <laughs> this is the, the big, this is the primary, this is the, the investment with the biggest returns, right? So Isaiah 55, <clears throat> God says, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So when you share the word of the gospel with somebody, do you know how that conversation is going to go ahead of time? Can you foresee the response that that person's going to have to the gospel? Do you know how many times you'll have to communicate his word before there might be some kind of response of faith? Do you know whether that person will hate you and reject you and make it seem like it was a bad investment? You don't know any of these things. God sends forth his word for his specific intended purpose in each conversation. And there's going to be a result. It's going to do something. But you don't know what that is. You don't know what the work of God is. And that doesn't mean you should be paralyzed with uncertainty or paralyzed because you're risk averse because it might go bad. You don't know what God might do when you tell others about Jesus. That's okay. Go ahead and tell others about Jesus anyway. Uh, Michael Eaton says that the wise man will invest everything he has in the life of faith. The wise man will invest everything he has in the life of faith. That's good spiritual economics, to invest everything you have in the life of faith. Things like prayer and service and giving and evangelism and discipleship. It's good spiritual economics. Do you know why it's good spiritual economics? Because God is the creator. Verse 5, it says, he's the God who makes everything. 
He's the God who brings forth gain and increase and profit and surplus out of nothing. Out of nothing. The triune God started with absolutely nothing, and he made everything by the power of his word. Go home and read Genesis 1 and think about it for a while. Think, there was nothing. And then he spoke his word. And then there was light. And there were skies filled with stars. And finches and pelicans and owls and monarch butterflies floating on the breezes. And there were oceans filled with tuna and lobsters and clownfish and orcas. And land with its spruce trees and orange trees and fig trees and aloe plants, along with pangolins crawling around, rolling around on the ground, and Komodo dragons and sugar gliders and yaks, and so on and so forth. Millions, estimated over 8 million different species of animals on the planet. God brought forth all of this out of nothing. Out of nothing. And when he came into the world in the person of his son, Jesus, one of the things he did was something similar. He took a little boy's investment and he increased it exponentially for the sake of his kingdom. A large crowd of thousands of people were following Jesus and he charged his disciples with feeding them. All they could find was this one little boy who had five loaves of bread and two fish and that's not enough. Jesus took that and multiplied it so that all the people ate until they were full and they took up more leftovers than they had to begin with, 12 baskets full. And that's a picture of God's spiritual economy and the wise man will invest everything he has in it. Because Ephesians 3 says, God is able to do far more abundantly than all than we ask or think. Jesus invested everything. You want to talk about a wise man who will invest everything he has in God's kingdom. Jesus invested everything in what many would call a lost cause, right? Yeah, he diversified. He poured himself out into many different people, all of whom were heading toward disaster, all of whom were bad investments. Jesus prayed, he gave of himself, and he shared the gospel, and it all looked like a complete waste of divine resources. He was the consummate wise man investing everything in God's kingdom, and then he died before his ship came in. Even so, it wasn't a bad investment because God is the God who brings everything out of nothing. God is the God who brings surplus out of shortage. God is the God who brings life out of death. God took the lifeless body of his faithful son and he raised it to new, glorious, everlasting life. And now Jesus lives, bursting and overflowing with unstoppable life. God brought that out of death, out of nothing. So with a God like this, you don't need to know exactly how he's going to work in every situation. You don't need to understand everything that might happen before you invest yourself in his kingdom. Maybe you'll be rejected every time you share the gospel with somebody, every single time. Maybe you'll give away your money to bad people who never change. Maybe you'll pray all your prayers and then you'll die before you see them answered. You can't make the cost-benefit analysis of that in this life. God can You don't know whether these investments were worthwhile, but God does. You never know what God might do with your life when you invest it in his kingdom. That's okay. That's great. You never know what he might do. 
You're just called to faithfully respond to the good God who brings everything out of nothing and surplus out of shortage and life out of death. You're called to respond faithfully to him. And he calls you to give and serve and share the gospel and worship. So go ahead and get to work. Amen. Let's pray. Father, help us uh, to, to not think of life in terms of knowing everything so that we can manage what happens in the future. Help us to think of life with you in terms of responding to you, responding to your powerful, creative, life-giving love. Help us to trust you and to invest everything we have in your kingdom, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.